Welcome to the BBSI Entrepreneurs Podcast, the show where we talk about the challenges business owners face every day. We'll share the insights and tools you need to define your business strategy, better manage your teams, and mitigate any risks standing in the way of your success. I'm your host, Lauren Gelfand, Director of Marketing and Communications at BBSI. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we're talking to Victoria Krutzkamp, BBSI business partner, about how business owners can step out of the day-to-day operations. Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're very excited to have you here. And I know that this topic is near and dear to your heart because I feel like this is what you do every day. You're working with business owners to help them better manage their operations, be more successful. So tell me a little bit about your background. How'd you end up in this role? You know, it was by chance. So my entire career was built around health and wellness industry. So I worked in some startups. I ran really large business channels. I grew things to be global The last thing I did, I was COO of a gym and spa chain. My whole career was focused on making a positive impact in people's lives. And when I was looking to make a change, I just happened to find BBSI and I didn't even know anything like this existed. So it was really amazing to know that I could take my passion for making a difference and apply that to being able to help small, mid-sized business owners increase the probability of their success. So it was really exciting for me, especially both my parents did have their own businesses. So it was just a perfect fit for me. So when you were growing up, they were managing those businesses. Do you remember them just being in the business all the time and it was kind of always on their mind? Yes, I do. I remember it becoming part of our weekends as well as their weekends. I feel like it becomes, you know, when it's in the family, it becomes a whole family operation. You kind of all hands on deck and I think that's a great segue into our topic today is a lot of the business owners we work with are small and medium-sized businesses. A lot of those owners got in the business because they were passionate about that specific industry that they're in, but all of a sudden they realize that there is so much to manage when you're running your own operation that they end up spending 60, 80, 100 hours a week in the actual business. There's a progression forming the business, and then you move on to this storming phase where everything's happening quickly and you're building processes. And then there's kind of that norming period where you're figuring it out and you're not so hair on fire and then finally you get to performing. I feel, however, that a lot of our clients and a lot of small business owners never really get past that storming phase without support or some outside influence. So I know you have a lot of examples from from your daily operations. What do you see as that progression of an owner's role in their own organization? What you're saying is so spot on, Lauren. It's so hard because entrepreneurs do start a business from an idea they had or the roots lie in a passion. And so when you think about starting a business as part of a passion, there's this conflicting priority of, I love doing the actual work myself. So, you know, for example, I mean, you could be third generation drywaller or you could be a carpenter or a cabinet maker and you love the craft and the and the satisfaction of creating that thing. And you get to this point where you're trying to run the business, you're trying to grow the business and you also want to be a laborer in the business and it's conflicting. How hard is that to step away to be able to work on a business? So what happens is they spend so much time enjoying being in the thick of things and in the creation phase, but at the same time, they find out, oh my gosh, now I've got to 
not only make sure that my product is what I want it to be and control the quality of that product, but I also have to invoice people and I also have to collect money and I also have to try and get my next contract and how do I pay for the materials? And so there's so many things going on. And so what happens is, you know, in the beginning, they should be that secret sauce and they should be in the thick of things. But once they get a little bit bigger, then they have to hire people. So they do get to offset some time by having other people do the labor, but now they're HR and a manager too. And most of the time they don't know anything about that or, or never really even want to deal with that. So, you know, they have to shift roles at that point when they hire employees. And then there's another tipping point once they can no longer do the labor, manage the labor and manage everything else it takes to run a business. They have to get over the thought that they're the only ones who can do this and they need to let go a little and, and learn that they have to replace themselves. So that's when they should hire a strong manager and that's when they should elevate to being a leader of managers versus the guy or the woman who does everything. Well, they have to delegate, right? And that that's a hard skill to learn is you want to own everything and control it because it's your baby that you've created and now all of a sudden you can't do everything. Yep. And I think that's the obstacle that a lot of business owners and even managers run into is all of a sudden they can't do everything themselves and they've got to start bringing other people on. I remember working for a, I worked on the marketing side, but in a very large national sandwich chain that sells footlong sandwiches, you may be able to guess which one it is. I was always amazed by the level of ownership because it was franchise organization and you would see the owners that had one or two stores were in those stores, you know, seemingly 12 to 15 hours a day. I mean, they were there all day open to close. And the owners that had 10 to 20 stores that became larger business owners were able to hire those positions, those operations managers, the payroll people, the HR managers, that enabled them to step back a little bit and manage over the top of the business. You mentioned before those inflection points, those tipping points. And I know there are some common ones that, that we talk about when we meet with business owners. Can you talk a little bit about those inflection points? Sure. So when you think about running a business, you're in the thick of things, just like you just said. So your line of sight can be really limited. And all you can see is like a, the small section of road ahead of you. So the thought of if it ain't broke, don't fix it is common but not a strategic one. So what can be really tough is to poke holes in what's working right now and to think about what could break before it happens. So if you think about an arc in the beginning, there might be endless runway, you're in growth mode, like everything seems amazing and you don't know what you don't know yet. Once a business matures where things are working, you've got some systems, you've got some people, it's really hard to think about what could break or what's not going to support twice the revenue or three times the revenue or five more employees, whatever that is. And the hardest thing to do is to relever what you're doing before you have to relever it. And so what can happen is like if you think about if, you, if you're creating a business that should be a sellable asset at some point in time, people want to buy a business when you're in that growth mode and, and you've got everything working, but an owner wants to sell a business when they are over it, they've plateaued, they've gone backwards. They're like in that 
oh crap phase where, you know, it's not as fun, you, you know, it's not as easy. And the trick is to relever before you get into that mode where you're stunted or, or going backwards. So it's a natural progression to hit these inflection points. It's a matter of how can you have the discipline or somebody from the outside who can help you identify what's about to break or what could break based on growth before it happens. And those are the strongest businesses because those are the ones that have sustainability and scalability. Yeah. I imagine you've seen some of those businesses where they have ignored those inflection points and they've they pushed beyond. Do you have any examples of, of businesses and you've seen them just sort of go downhill? Oh my gosh. I have a really good example. I had a, a client who he was, you know, so confident. He had been doing this for 20 years and I had him come in for a strategy meeting and I can't even tell you how much I had to beg him and practically blackmail him into coming into the strategy session. I mean, he did not want to come in. And I kept telling him, you're feeling out of control. You're having turnover. Every time I talk to you, you're so stressed out. If you come in for the strategy session, we can get everything that's in your head and put it on a whiteboard. And that way you'll be able to know what path to take and how to alleviate some of this pain. And during that time, he shared with me that he was going through some legal dispute over a contract and he owed $150,000. He had fully extended his line of credit. He was decreasing revenue. He couldn't hold on to strong team members. And he was just at a, at a breaking point. So what we did is we dug into every aspect of his business, you know, his pipeline, his people, his process, his systems, how he was building towards the future. And we diagnosed what was going on with the current state of the business. So what was working? What were all the pieces that were broken? What was systemic to the organization? What were the things that he had control over and what needed to be relevered right now? So we dug into it, we created an action plan. And what was really cool, it was, it was probably about six months later, we had gotten together and he said to me, he said, you know, when I walked away from that strategy meeting that you forced me to be in, <laughs> I thought I was gonna have to close my doors. You know, I thought it was the end and all that 20 years was for nothing. And he said that taking a step back and getting what was in his head onto that whiteboard and talking it through helped him feel a sense of control. So even the things that weren't going to get fixed easily, he he at least knew how to attack it. So I was talking to that client. It was, it was about a year and a half later. And he told me, not only am I almost done in paying that debt off, but I have... $220,000 in the bank. I've got $50,000 under my mattress that you can't tell my wife about. <laughs> and it was so crazy because this is just a very strong man. And he looked at me with a tear in his eye and said, you know, thank you for helping me save my business. And I thought that that was the most incredible gift to hear that from him. That's amazing. And you had to force him to do that. I mean, it shows how difficult it is when you're in the business and running things, if it's been going well, to take a look in the mirror and to really realize I need some help or I need to redo some things that I've 
thought were working just fine and all of a sudden they aren't. It, it makes me think of the disruption we've seen over the past couple of years with the pandemic and how many businesses faced such uncertain economic future and how they pivoted. I mean, I think about, you know, restaurant and hospitality industry was probably hit the hardest. And I know that we work with a number of different restaurant and hospitality clients, but I wonder how many could have survived by having that honest conversation with themselves versus I'm just gonna ride it out and ignore all the warning signs and then all of a sudden you have to close the doors. That is so true. You know, we have several restaurants as clients and we did not lose one single restaurant during the pandemic. And, you know, in California, the lockdown was really difficult. I mean, they were forced to be more conservative than most other states. And it was really hard. But the thing is, when you're faced with things that you can't control, outside threats that you can't control, it's how you react to them that makes all the difference in the world. So, you know, we had restaurants who, you know, they built outside dining structures or they started delivering food where they had never delivered food before. They started pre-packaging takeout menus. We had also a, a company that created devices to heat your feet and hands when you go skiing. They totally shifted because you couldn't go skiing. So what did they do? They started manufacturing masks. So it's about what do you what when you're faced with things that seem impossible, it's having that conversation on every obstacle creates a new opportunity and what could that look like? There's a lot of creativity there on behalf of all those businesses. And I'm sure that some of them just pushed ahead and said, no, we'll, we'll weather through this and weren't able to do that. And I was impressed with how many businesses were able to pivot and shift. And I know that those businesses that were working with PEOs like BBSI were able to more successfully come out because they had professionals that dealt specifically with, you know, what do I do about my payroll? What do I do about my business strategy? How do I manage the new risks that I face, right? There were all these regulations for when they did reopen for when do you have to have face masks? What can be open? How close can you sit to one another? What sort of barriers do you have to put up? So there are so many regulations. And the other side of that is there was a lot of money being passed around from the federal government. And so how did business owners access that. I know that you worked with a lot of businesses to get that employee retention tax credit, to get their paycheck protection loans. I also know that businesses that didn't have that level of support often struggled to get all that documentation together. Well, you know, in, in California alone, I know that less than 15% of small mid-sized business owners got the PPP loans. In our branch, we knew that that would be a matter of life and death for our owners. And so we dropped everything we were doing. And not only would we give weekly care calls to every single owner we, we work with, but we also helped them do the analysis to see what they had qualified for. We helped them fill out applications. We were on the phones with their bankers. We were really instrumental in helping them know what they were qualified to get. And, and in fact, and I think this is true of, from a company level, but I know in San Diego, we had, out of all the owners who qualified for the PPP loans, we were able to get 97% of them funding. And that was so huge because we had, I think out of hundreds and hundreds of businesses, we had two that chose to shut down. So it, we definitely weren't experiencing the impact in the same way as, as uh, businesses out there who didn't have support 
like they had with us. That's so interesting. It reminds me of a, a news story that I was listening to this morning that a lot of businesses faced with the difficulty in operating through the pandemic shut down. And a lot of those folks, instead of, say, retiring, pivoted and started different businesses. Like you mentioned, the hand and jacket warming company shifted to making face masks. Now, all of a sudden, they've got to shift back. That's got to be a hard transition to think about. I pivoted one way, now I've got to pivot back. And now we're facing the potential of a recession, although it's sort of unclear if we will go in that direction, but they need to pivot again and change their business model yet again. It just shows how difficult it is to run a business when you know you got started just because you know your hands were cold on the mountain or you love doing drywall and and took the art or the cabinet maker you know it's so true and and being a business owner is like the hardest job in the world right you you, you have all the risk you pay yourself last and you can't quit yeah. right and you and you've got all these people depending on you your family your employees your employees families you know the community and so it, it's really really difficult and so when you're doing it on your own it's, it's like being on an island so having someone who's been there to help you, you know, we don't have all the answers, but we have good questions. It's a matter of having someone there to help you think it through. So, you know, when you think about many of our business owners started their businesses post the recession of 2008. Mm -hmm. And we know for a fact, 20% of new businesses fail within the first year. 65% of new businesses fail within the first 10 years. You know, the odds aren't in their favor. But when you have somebody who you can talk about current state of the business, what could break you and getting ahead of what could break, it just makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about is, is that, you know, no one could have prepped for the pandemic. It was, it, you know, it treated businesses in a different way than, than a recession does. So there's so many unknowns. So, so how can you pivot and react in the moment based on the unknown? So it, it takes a lot from learning of, you know, what made me successful or survive in the last recession? What would be my biggest do-overs if I had to do anything over or, or what would I have done differently that could help me better leverage this obstacle into an opportunity this time. So we had a ton of those conversations and I think that brought out a lot of creativity and, and helped the owners feel like they could be more resilient than they could if they were just trying to do things the way they always had. So tell me this, I was thinking about some of the things you said about relevering and picking that new direction. What are the steps you take when you finally get a business owner to come in and say, you know what, I think I need help. They've selected whoever, a consultant, a PEO, hopefully BBSI. What are the steps you take when you first meet with that client? Kind of walk me through that process. We just ask a ton of questions. You know, I think so often as a business owner, you don't have an opportunity to peel out and, and reflect. And so we always start with what their story is, because if we understand why they're doing what they're doing, it's a lot easier to be able to help them do that in an even stronger way. So we always start with what their background is, who they are, what what's important to them, what their vision is. I hate to lose a client, but if I lose a client because I help them get ready to sell and, and make that money so they can live the life they want to, that is the best thing to me in the world. So 
we start there and then we, you know, you have to build a relationship and trust for them to be able to, you know, let their guard down. But once they let their guard down, I really love to start with digging into current state because that helps me understand how to drive the conversation. So at first, you know, moving from the management and health industries, you know, I didn't know you needed somebody different to paint a wall versus build a wall or, you know, like I didn't understand (laughs) construction, which is a lot of our clients. But, you know, I learned really quickly It doesn't matter what business you have. Every business is essentially the same. It it just is a little different flavor. We always talk about there's five pillars. There is profit and finance, pipeline and sales, process and systems, people and culture, and product and services. Every business boils down to those five things. So if if we can ask good questions to understand what's making them successful in those five things, what's missing, what scares them. You know, if they doubled the business, what would break? What do they need to build out now to be able to have an infrastructure that would let them scale? All those things are are so important in the beginning of our relationship because so often the owner doesn't get to talk about those things. And it's through that conversation that they come up with their own solutions or they have an aha moment where they know like, oh gosh, you know, I can't double the business like this or I have to fix, I have nobody who can help me lead this team. I can't, if I double the business, I, you know, I can't put in more days. I can't put in more hours. So it's a really great way of building awareness, but also more more importantly, building a plan that they can execute on to help them navigate through that and get to where they want to be. You mentioned the reflection, and I think that that is one of the most critical pieces. As an owner, you're just attacking the problem that's in front of you. You're not necessarily thinking about into the future. You're not looking back to say, hey, what worked? And what do I need to change to get to where the next phase is? You're just, you're attacking what's in front of you and that's it. And having the opportunity to step out, no matter how difficult that may be for some, I think really sets the stage for future success. I worked for a large seafood processing company that manufactured some what they called added value products. Think about fish sticks and things like that. And they met with a company, these two incredibly entrepreneurial women started this company making a very specific seafood product. There was definitely a need in the market and they started to take off. And all of a sudden, one of the very, very large retailers in the country placed a giant order and they had to shutter the business because they were not prepared to scale up that quickly or that efficiently. And that's when they came to talk to us when I was in that role at the time to potentially sell the business. And I thought, wow, if they would have had some time to sit back and think, hey, what if this thing does take off and grow? Where do we want to be and what do we need to make that happen? They could have been successful, but unfortunately they had to shut their doors. And it was a sad moment for me. And as I got to this role and started to think about how much we work with these small and medium-sized businesses, I'm constantly reminded of that example. Yeah, and you know, and that's a common example. I mean, that is normal. It's so hard to see through the trees when you're when you're there in the middle of the forest, right? It's also so hard for an owner, you know, when you think about, I mean, we talked earlier about, you know, you build something because you have a passion. It's so hard when you create this it's like your baby, you, you know, your whole passion's built into it, but also your ego, your sense of purpose, everything's built into that baby, that business of yours. 
So the more an owner holds on to that, the more they're holding on to not being able to grow or unfortunately maybe becoming irrelevant or not sustainable. And the the most common thing that holds an owner back is having the wrong people on their team or not having a strong leadership team. Because I don't care what business you're in, it's the people that you surround yourself with who can either hold you back or help you achieve things that you never thought were possible. So when I think about the story you just shared, how were they leveraging the team to be able to create an infrastructure for scalability or even to help them say, hey, this is a potential contract we could have. What processes and systems do we have? What do you think breaks? What can we do about it now? You know, to to be able to leverage that talent pool because they're in the thick of things. When you have a strong team like that, you're built for success. Yeah, I, I think that's a critical piece. And right now there's a labor shortage. Unemployment is at a historic low. And those folks that are out there that are looking for jobs are are very picky about what they want. And so creating that environment to bring people in, not to mention, as you said, making sure that you have the right people around you is a difficult path to navigate these days. I was thinking about some of those those strategies that you were just mentioning of, you know, all right, I know I need to grow. I know I need to get myself out of the day-to-day so I can think about the future. And people and talent is a huge area of focus, or maybe it should be a huge area of focus that oftentimes it's not because if you have people in place, you just kind of, maybe you ignore some of the things that go on and you don't think about their potential for growth or for succession planning, right? How many business owners that you work with have zero succession plans? (laughs) Unfortunately, probably more than (laughs) not. You know, COVID definitely impacted who you could have on your team, right? And but but even though unemployment's so low right now, it it really hasn't shifted back. And and when you think about your brand is not what you advertise, it's what your customers think and feel about your brand, right? And uh-huh. when you think about what customers think and feel about your brand, that builds down to your people. And I think sometimes owners forget that. There could be nepotism. There can be like, ah, I just, you know, I need a warm body, you know, in, in, but they don't think about just a few toxic or weak team members can significantly stunt their organizations and, and damage their brand. So it, it has been challenging for the last few years from a labor perspective, but instead of the natural tendency of kind of lowering the bar on who you'll let into your organization, yeah, that's when it's more important than ever to raise that bar and not compromise because you you will get the right person that's why having you know somebody like an hr consultant can help you in in how do you how do you screen in the right person but you know there's a quote i love that says to win in the marketplace you must first win in the workplace and to me that's so important people forget that that it's the people that is the number one thing in any business that's going to help you grow or retract That's such a great piece of advice, and I love that quote. If you really want to get yourself out of the day-to-day and you really want to be able to grow the business and think about the future, whether that's, you know, continuing to grow or selling it off or passing that on to a family member, making sure that you have the right team in place, the right knowledge base to do that is, is such a critical piece. I think you kind of have to start there before you really do anything else beyond that. It, yes, absolutely. And and when you think about succession planning, a lot of owners don't really understand what good succession planning looks like. You know, they think, ah, oh, you know, my, you know, I got this person, he's been with me 
30 years, you know, he knows the business he could take over. But they don't think about what is the profile of somebody who could be running this business? Do they have the leadership? Do they have the business acumen? Can they have the tough conversations? Are they a leader? How do they drive results through others? So sometimes just because it's the person who I trust the most or it's, you know, a family member, that's the easy button in the beginning when you're succession planning, but it doesn't mean that's the right person. So succession planning, you know, takes a lot of discipline and it also can be super complicated when you're a small business owner and especially those who are in trades because the people you promote tend to be the people that understand your trade, not people who should be in leadership roles. It's just so many things to think about as you're running the business, growing the business, trying to move to the next stage, navigating through economic uncertainty, global pandemics. So many different things are being thrown at you as an owner I think I can't stress enough how important it is to be able to have somebody that can help you reflect, to look at your business holistically, to think about all those areas that you mentioned and devise a plan for the future. And, and you know, a lot of businesses fail. You said, I, I think it was 60 plus percent fail in, in the first 10 years. So I cannot stress enough for, for our owners that are listening out there today, how important it is to take the time to reflect on the business, focus on the future, build plans and strategies. And as you've heard today, I know that, you know, somebody like Victoria, you would be lucky to have her working on the business and asking you those tough questions. I hope that for our listeners today, they've, they've taken some of those to heart. And there's some questions maybe they haven't thought about in the past. But I really think that if you want to be successful in this current environment, you got to take the time to do that and make sure that you have some time where you're not in the business 24-7, some time to yourself to reflect. I mean, work-life balance doesn't just apply to employees. It also applies to those owners, and, and a lot get burnt out, right, when they're spending 80 or 100 hours in their business per week, and they're not able to step away. I like always asking the question to your owners, could you take a vacation, right? Probably most of them say no. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You have to decide, do you want a lifestyle business where you just bought yourself more than a full-time job? Or do you want something that's going to be a sellable asset? Because most business owners or most entrepreneurs start because they want to have financial freedom. They want to be the boss. They don't want to work for somebody else. And so that shifts into, oh my gosh, now I just got myself into three full-time jobs. And so to your point, it's so important for them to think about that everything they do helps them build the lifestyle they want or get them more connected to being stuck in a full-time job that they never anticipated having. <laughs> CEO, head of sales, director of HR, <laughs> all the hats, right? Oh, yeah. Well, Victoria, this has been great. I really appreciate you sharing all your insights and, and your tips and your stories from today. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. To all our business owners out there, thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're looking for more resources to support your business, visit our website at bbsi.com and subscribe to our monthly business owner newsletter, The BBSI Insider. We'd also love it if you'd subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss out on the latest insights from our BBSI business professionals.